1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, March 20th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It was a busy week for Notre Dame. Of course, we're going to – spring practice starts on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that extensively, of course. But Notre Dame had their pot of gold uh, distributions for the uh, 2025 recruits. Notre Dame women's hoops make it to the Sweet 16 once again without a couple of their best players. They're doing a heck of a job. We're going to get into the Nordic men's basketball coaching search, but I want to start with spring uh, with an opening on Wednesday, the first of 15 practices. Tim O'Malley, you put out a story yesterday, a uh, minimum of seven questions. There are many, many more than that, but I thought you did a really nice job of previewing what's to
2: come on Wednesday. Yeah, really, my number one question is who's out? We've been, we heard about it in December, and they are at 93 scholarships. We don't believe it's a problem because we believe some players won't be on the team. But I, um, I, I, my guess and Tim, you alluded to it on our message board is a couple of the players, at least one, we would all agree that we were told there was no room for is going to be able to be on the team. Um, I think they need a few of these guys. But uh, who's not playing? Um, who's out temporarily is always a big deal for for spring. We know the shoulder guys. I, I'm not sure everybody knows this, but like other than a Don Schuler, who we of course talk about as a freshman out, like Thomas Harper is in the pit with a shoulder injury. Cam Hart, people recall that's his third in four years. The ACL guys, Bauman and Rayardon, I wonder how much you get out of them. Bauman was September, Rayardon was October. So I think those are probably August guys, right? You would see. Um, I want to see Rico Flores run because if he really had a talus fracture in November... It's hard to be as far ahead as he says he is. He also said it might have been a sprain. We're asking a 17-year-old, 18-year-old to tell us his medical diagnosis. He might have been wrong on that as well. So I want to see Rico Flores out there. But the one guy injured in July, Jadarian Price, I think he is a player we really want to see moving around at that first practice, or especially the last practice in April.
0: No doubt. I mean, that's that's always a big part of spring. because There are always guys that are out, and you're like, what? Um, you know, who there'll had be, like there'll be some of those. We don't have no idea yeah, that, you know, had the, the January, you know, surgery cleanup type stuff. Um, that always happens. So that's, that'll be interesting. I mean, and I'm certainly, there will be guys who don't practice that are, you know, ones that we wanted to, to see, to get, to get eyes on, but that's a big part of it for me. I'm, you know, I, I, I want to see how the offensive line comes out with the first group. Like I'm assuming that it will be Shrouth and Christophic, but who's to say with Joe Rudolph and, you know, a different set of eyes and how, how much that changes during spring, um, you know, where the receivers line up will be interesting to me. And then, um, you know, what the ones and the twos are on the defensive line. Cause I don't really have a great sense of what Notre Dame feels like they have when they want to go eight deep. Cause really that's a position where you have eight starters, not just four. I
1: think defensive line is where, I'm most interested to see just who comes out and where and when and with whom. Uh, but I agree with you, Pete, in terms of the guard situation, I think it's Christ- Christophic and until I see otherwise. Yeah. If you, if you ask me to name them, I would say Christophic and, 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 Billy Shrouth, but um, clean slate for everybody. We'll get into that a little bit more when we get into the questions in the, in the second segment, but uh, Jadarian Price, I want to see him run around. Obviously no contact for him, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, certainly they in a he's in a position now unless he's had any kind of setback where he's going to run around and carry the football. He can do all the non-contact stuff. And uh nerding fans may remember that you know his performance in the blue gold game last year, which was which was impressive, not only running it, actually more catching it than running it. He didn't put up many numbers in terms of running the football, but he took that swing pass and went the distance with it from I don't know, 50 yards, 55 yards. So looking forward to seeing um what he can do as well but we you know i i mentioned to you guys and i'm saying it to all of our listeners we get a lot of questions about you know what's the one thing that you're looking for and it, i kind of tried to stay away from those questions because i just finished the 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 12 part spring fling uh mm-hmm. analysis that we 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 went through over the last few weeks and we're we're going to touch on all of those and and uh you know like for example Last year we came out of the spring saying we were pretty impressed with the defensive line. I think the defensive line kind of gets a bit of a bad rap, which I'll address with one of the questions in the second segment, but we thought it was going to be
2: better than it was. Better, That's all That's
1: better it than it was, was. Yeah, and you know, I think when you saw the game against USC the way they gashed them and apparently that was that was as much being out-schemed as it was out-physical from from what we heard, what I heard anyway. Um so we'll see. But we're going to hit upon all that. We're not going to rank one over the other. It's just going to be on Wednesday. I've got the offense. O'Malley has a defense with the dreaded five periods of practice.
2: i got to hustle. That's the what's going on there. <laughs> Where
1: we're scrambling to see everything we can uh, when, you know, half of that time is the running from one station to the one part of the field to the next.
2: I, I think uh, I agree. I would bet a fair amount of money Christophic starts with the ones. I don't think, I think I would even take the field instead of just taking Schroth. Not that I wouldn't bet Schroth, but if you said Coogan, Carmody, uh, I don't think it'll be Spindler, but if you said Coogan, Carmody, or Spindler, or you could take Schroth. I have I have just no idea if the redshirt freshman will start spring there. I do agree that the redshirt freshman will end spring at that spot, though, Billy Schroth. I just don't know what we'll see tomorrow if he's ascended that quickly, because they liked Coogan, right? They like Coogan quite a bit during the offseason.
1: From what I heard during, uh, from what I heard even during the season, yes.
2: Okay, yeah, that's, so that would be one for me. And then Sam Hartman, I I mean, when I say I've watched a lot of film of Sam Hartman, it's called watching television for five years. Every time you watch Wake Forest play, there's Sam Hartman throwing touchdowns and throwing the ball over the place. So he is not, excuse me, he's not as exciting for me to see tomorrow. I want to see Caleb Smith, actually. You know, I feel like I've only kind of, I had to go back and watch film of Caleb Smith because I recognized the name, but it wasn't the same situation coming in. So he's a guy I'd like to watch uh, offensively as the spring progresses. Yeah, I, I, all that Smith
0: it's I'm interested, in sort of like how he fits into the receiver rotation. Um, you know, because chatting with people on the staff last year about him, I think that they were once they watched the tape, they were a little bit more impressed with him than maybe initially when he hopped in the portal. Um, you know, is he a bigger body that you play outside um, because he's played a bunch of football? Can he you know, move around and sort of be a flex guy for you? I, I don't really know, um, but he's he's definitely put together differently than the other receivers on the team. So I'll be interested sort of how they try to try to use that
1: with with in, in accordance with that, Pete uh, and, and Tim, you, you mentioned this in your story yesterday. Lorenzo Styles, I, you know it's clearly with the size now that they have on the outside Lorenzo Styles would seem to be in the slot in a, a perfect a perfect fit for a slot role
2: yeah it would be weird the only reason uh, I mean they used Jaden Thomas there someone reminded me of that um quite a bit that was Reese liked him as a big body blocker and Salerno but why would you not if Lorenzo Styles is going to bounce back from last year, I think a fresh start is him in the slot. We kind of liked him in the slot as a true freshman too when he would yeah. when he would play there a little bit. That that seems logical to me.
1: I'm glad bl- I'm glad you brought up Jaden Thomas. I think somebody somebody um tweeted at me a couple days ago about Jaden Thomas would they move him to tight end? It's not, they he played he was tight end like many times. Yeah. What they did with him last year especially as a blocker, so you don't need to nothing needs to change. You know, we the old the old days of you know of X Y and Z you know guys can line up anywhere pretty yeah, it's much.
2: kind of blurred these days
1: really it really a lot of times it is blurred uh, we'll see how it is in Jared Parker's offense but with Tommy Reese he was he was so diverse in formations and personnel and pre snap movement that a guy could end up anywhere but, and
2: I think you want it to be blurred right you don't want to be able to yeah, find no, oh he's no, over there on the boundary yeah
1: absolutely but you know there are role specific roles for 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 reasons and boundary receivers and and slot receivers. There are differentiations there, and uh, but it isn't always visible to the, uh, to the naked eye or to the average uh, fans' eye watching it. You know pre snap. So uh, we're gonna obviously we're going to get into more uh, spring football stuff in the second segment with questions, but I do want to talk about the men's basketball coaching search, which. Now is in full force because the three guys that were on the list ultimately the list Pete, you had mentioned Matt Lengel, I believe he's in the final three, is or was in the final three. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury was a name right from the very shrewsbury and DeVries from Duke or Drake were Duke, yeah. Uh, can we get the Duke? Can we get somebody from the Duke coaching staff? now? DeVries from
2: they
0: already did that,
1: can I? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, DeVries caught a lot of, a lot of grief for them, not finishing off Miami with five minutes to go in the game. I actually did not see that. I would, ha-
0: if, I don't if, know, did you watch Miami last night against IU? Because like yeah. Woodson didn't even start against, uh, Miami last night. So it's, I, yeah. it's like, he was a 12 seed against, a really hot team that won the ACC the fact that they collapsed a little bit at the end, like I would focus more on the fact that they were in position to collapse. Like, exactly,
1: no, exactly. You know, like, I, you know I don't, I don't like, so we're going to judge a, a coach based upon five minutes of basketball, like you say in a game. And I, I didn't, you know, if they pick DeVries, I promise I will study the last five minutes of that, that game. I haven't had an opportunity to do that, but I have a I have a feeling that maybe it was had a lot more to do with Miami than what DeVries did, but I didn't see it, and so everybody's entitled to their opinion on that. But uh, Shrewsbury is the apple of Notre eye. It's going to cost them a lot of money <laughs> if they want Micah Shrewsbury on their sideline. Pete, you want to speak to that?
0: No, it's, I. the more that I've watched Shrewsbury and talked to people about him, the more that, like, that would be my number one guy Not to the point where like, if you didn't get him, it would be a disaster, but you get a little bit of the Brad Stevens magic dust there um, from Shrewsbury in terms of his background. I think the NBA stuff, but being a college guy is great. You know, the, um, talking to people that, uh, you know, are associated with him as staff, like very upbeat, energetic guy, somebody the kids really want to play for, um, it's going to be a while before Notre Dame is good, regardless of who they hire. But I think that's somebody that I think um, the fan base would be able to get behind the
2: most. I agree, and I think he would hit the ground running with recruiting the best of the trio at this point.
0: Yes, yeah, I mean because he's yeah. from, like, he's, he knows the
2: area, right? Like, and just more of a draw, I think, for kids that are sixteen watching Shrewsbury, basketball right now.
1: Yeah, Shrewsbury is is born and bred and coached at indiana i mean he was born in indianapolis and spent his whole coaching career in indiana except when he went with brad stevens to the celtics and then then uh you know then penn state um you know the thing about devries is and one of our subscribers mccormick 88 points this out and I, he's good every year he's been yeah. every yeah. year he's been a head coach he's been good and so you know, I'm not going to let five minutes of of tape at the end of a game against an ACC, an athletic ACC team, and a and a, and a a tournament-tested head coach, you um, know, dissuade but, me from, from thinking that DeVries is a good prospect as well.
2: Boy, they turned away IU at every time IU made a mini-run there. It was Didn't just – it, it went from I 9 to 15. You all over
1: that, weren't you all crying. over Miami last night?
2: They were yo, know, Miami looks so good, man. It was – I, you know, no, I was not. I, I stayed away from that one because I liked IU. I liked IU, not against Miami, but I liked IU. Um, I thought they had started playing better. Um, Jackson Davis was playing. He was a good rim protector, and I thought that would be a closer game than it was. I was kind of disappointed in IU and also at Duke being a little soft against Tennessee. thought that I was surprised by how soft they were. In yeah. IU. Yeah. They got a the lot crap of kicked out of them. A lot,
1: yeah. yeah, a lot a lot of people were picking them to go deep in the term, and I just didn't feel that way about it. And before we finish this segment, I do I want to bring this up. Tim, I tweeted to you over the weekend. I mean, whoever the coach is, could you first of all, you know, like I'm watching Penn State play with Shrewsbury, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, they're playing really well, partly because they have way better athletes than what Nordic had. I mean, just way way better at there's just way better. Better personnel on the floor athletically. And what Notre Dame knew whoever the head coach is, you need to recruit some alphas, man. I mean, the only two alphas on the team the last two years were Prentice Hub and Cormac Ryan. And you can, I mean, you can say, I know, you know, Prentice Hub played out of control, this and that, this and that. But at least those two guys, I mean, went for it every night. Uh, and Wesley would,
2: Wesley was becoming one too. Yes.
1: Wesley, Wesley was too. I mean, that's just, that's ingrained in him.
2: Speaking Uh, of athletes, speaking of athletes that, uh,
1: yeah, they need more, they need more guys like that, but they need, they need alphas and they need athletes and they need a coach that, I mean, is just, is going to find these players. Bray played the, Bray tried to play the closer role and that's not good enough. You can't, A head coach is not just going to walk in and they don't know you that well, and then you're just going to close when you're going up against some of the top teams in the country and the top head coaches in the country, and they're sitting in their living room well before Mike Bray would get involved with it. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's speculation about how quickly Nordane can turn this around, but it starts with a head coach that's just dogged on the, the recruiting trail and then get, getting athletes and alphas.
0: I will say this, uh, Penn State, one of their starters, a kid named uh, Keba N'Jai, he's 6'10 freshman, um, played at Lalu, so he was he was right there. You know, it's like this is, they had guys that Notre Dame could have got on the Penn State roster uh, all over the place, and Shrewsbury just did, he did a better job of identification, recruitment, and development.
2: I mean, to add to what you're saying pete they were guys on 50 rosters notre dame could yeah. have you can't watch the if you watched
0: basketball at all over the weekend you're like wow there are a lot of guys who really go for it and are confident in what they're doing and notre dame had none of that this season so it's it's all in it that's like at drake at penn state at princeton at princeton uh i mean it's all over the place it, you know, there are better athletes, obviously, at some other places, but at FDU cohesion uh, and just sort of like except produce backcourt, maybe not one of those examples, but a lot of other places. There are really good athletes who know what they're doing. Um, So it's it in some ways it, it gives you more hope that Notre Dame could turn around more quickly, I guess, because that is how I feel. I, if, if you're I well firmly coached and go and confident being one of the 64 best teams in the country really isn't that high of a bar to clear.
1: Now you're right. And I, and I, and I, I have a tendency to look at the situation and everything is shaded by the way the program was run, especially in recent years. Um, It should be something very, very different from that coming up. Um, Last thing, uh, just to clarify, you said Lalu, for those that don't that aren't familiar with that Pete, La La Mere School, where J.J. Starling came from. Yes. You're referencing the big man from Penn State was from there as well. Right. Coming back, segment two, Burning Up the Boards.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: Segment two, Burning Up the Boards, our first question is from a familiar name, Judge Arthur Vandele. Which player would have the greatest impact on the team if they took a big step forward this season? And his examples were like what Asmar Belisle did from his senior year to his fifth year. Maris Leafau, Riley Mills, or DJ Brown?
1: Let's go, um, real,
2: let's go realistic step forward on these two
1: well That's a pretty obvious like, what, answer right yeah. well I, I, it's an interesting question from the standpoint there's one from each level of the defense yeah. and because of that for me it's riley mills
2: yes mine as well i would replace yeah. dj if you're being realistic because i think dj brown has played better than he he has had some good moments especially when kyle hamilton went out um, but I would replace DJ Brown on this list with Xavier Watts and that would make it a harder. I think Xavier Watts ceiling is much higher than DJ Brown's.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, but um, yeah, you know, I, I referenced this in segment one, I, I think that the D line didn't live up to our expectations and yet, you know, they, they held six of their opponents on hundred under 100 yards rushing a seventh, at 112 yards rushing it was the Marshall game it was the Marshall game in the USC game, game and it yeah. was red zone defense because they were like 13th in the country in limiting opponents getting into the red zone so I thought you know the problem with the defensive line was it 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 played well a good portion of the time but not when it needed to which of course is you know the, those are the money downs and I get that but I don't think that they're as far off as maybe it's portrayed sometimes.
0: Uh yeah, well the problem is that the well, Adam fasting like, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It's uh but it, this question if if the options were Riley Mills, Jordan Batello or Xavier Watts, then I think you could have like a real discussion about yeah. like all right, you know if if they if they went 3 for 3 in that group, then suddenly you have potentially a very good defense. If you go 1 for 3 in that group, then you know that, that would be a little bit tougher, but those those, to me would be the three guys on defense who are just like, if you can find the next level for all three, then you could really have something good on def- on that side of the ball.
2: I could see finding the next level for all three of those guys you mm-hmm. mentioned Patel, well, could too. And, Watts too.
1: and how about Osafa Mensa, too? I mean, I is he I don't know how high his upside is, but I think it's
2: I think you have to, to be watching Alola. Yeah, that's what I think. If if he's like Adam Alola, you're watching. You're, I want to watch Osafa Mensa be like, man, he's playing better than anybody thinks he is. When you yeah. when you watch a game back on uh, Sunday night, that's I kind agree. of the way I. View the it. first
1: time he did that was when I thought he Amy played great team defense, which is mm-hmm. frequently underrated. He's not a guy that's necessarily going to make a whole bunch of big plays, but when you truly play the position as one eleventh of the defense, it may, it has an impact on on the entire defense. And of course, you know Javante Jean Baptiste is is another guy that's going to be instrumental in determining just how good that defensive line is this year.
2: Top guy to watch. We did not mention, obviously when we were talking about who we want to see in the spring is Javante Jean Baptiste. Yeah. He needs yeah. to be, needs to be a player.
1: Well, I think, I think right from the very beginning, he's going to be a presence as a pass rusher. It's, it's how well-rounded his game can be to determine, you know, exactly how much of an impact that, that he has. Uh, w- Anything else, him On that, okay. Sorry. Question from Terry Benedict. It's been rumored that Lou Holtz was able to get one to three kids into Notre Dame that normally wouldn't because of quote X reasons. What would it take for Notre Dame to allow Marcus Freeman to get one to three recruits in on NIL in parentheses acquisition fees to come to Notre Dame?
2: Is the question asking that? I mean, Freeman has exceptions too. Brian Kelly had exceptions. But is it, is it adding to those exceptions by saying nil? Well, I I I I, I think so. Okay. I think he's adding to the exceptions with nil to go get more Sam Hartman's, but recruits as opposed to graduate we transfers.
1: But we don't. What I my point is, that, and Pete, I'm sorry, I'm cutting in here on you, but I, we don't know what exceptions Nordame gets. I mean, it's a, it, we're we're well past the Prop 48 days when it was publicized. You know, the Tony Rice. Uh, and, in and
2: retrospect, we find out, though, who Brian Kelly got in. That would have been very hard right, to. Exactly. Uh,
1: I, I, you know, I just, I, I think this is, I think it's blown out of proportion a little bit. To, to compare, to try to make an exact comparison between Brandon Hillman and everything that's happened prior to this.
2: Oh, I hadn't even thought of Brandon Hillman. I was just well, thinking about players that get in. No, I
1: know. But, I mean, that's what part of, that's what this conversation is they've let players in before why don't they let brandon hillman in you, we don't are we looking at the the transcripts are we look are we truly are we truly aware of the background of all these players and what Nordame has done we are not we aren't and so i think when i see those exact comparisons being made i think it's going well beyond our purview of knowledge on
0: this situation yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's a confusing question because I'm. It, it feels like it's two questions. Like I think it's one, two questions. One as well. is a statement. The other one is a question. Like the second part is a question. Like the the NIL acquisition fee part. That would just be an institutional decision of like this is what we're going to do now. Um. So that Notre Dame could do that whenever. it Chose. I mean, I, I
2: see. I think that will happen because if you're going to do it for a graduate transfer, you can do it for a freshman. As long as that freshman is a freshman that you have recruited thoroughly, that you know, a transcripts are great. Like a a person, it might not be
0: a good investment is what you're saying.
2: A good investment. Yeah. It might now, if this question could be a third question, if one to three, let's i I'm just, the number is not one to three, but let's say you're getting someone in that would not profile to Notre Dame. And you're giving, and it's giving him the NIL acquisition fee. I'm not sure how easily that will go over because that's not necessarily a great investment.
1: And I think something here, I I don't know if I've said this or we, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast is that, you know, Marcus Freeman is hesitant about NIL too. Marcus Freeman is concerned about the impact of NIL on team chemistry. So this is not all.
2: Look, I think everyone is, but you have to, you have to understand that's what you're dealing with until there's some type of regulation.
1: No, I agree, but there's some hesitancy on his part in just doling out money to this guy and this guy and this guy, because he's looking at a big picture thing as far as team chemistry is concerned. I think we have a tendency to say the administration is screwing Marcus Freeman and Marcus (laughs) Freeman's going to lose or is going to leave because of this happening. Now, do I think the football staff was, very, very disappointed in Nordheim's decision about Brandon Hillman. Yes, absolutely. I'm just trying to bring up the point that there is hesitancy at times on Marcus Freeman's part, too, as as we all start to go into the NIL world of just how that's going to impact team chemistry.
0: Yeah, it's something to be concerned about. Uh, but, but I think if you gave Marcus Freeman a choice of, like, man, uh, we can have more NIL up front acquisition recruiting forward or i can cons- be concerned about that or i can be concerned about team chemistry he would rather solve the team chemistry problem right
1: <laughs> no i i don't dis i don't disagree okay. with that statement
0: yeah he would love to figure out how to f- integrate Keon keely
2: into the locker room
1: no there's <laughs> there's no there's no doubt about that i'm talking in big picture broad, yes yeah broad I,
2: I, there's I have so many issues with paying every player extra that's going to transfer out or you're going to, or you're going to tell you don't want anymore. You just paid him money to be on your practice squad scout team for doing nothing. You pay some guys just deserve the scholarship. Okay. I'm going to say that they have 93 guys. They don't all deserve NIL money. And I can't think anybody in the world thinks they all deserve an A.
1: I would I would agree with that, but I don't think that $25,000 per year for each scholarship athlete hurts Notre Dame. I don't either. It affects yeah, my delicate that.
2: sensibilities a little bit though. That does bother me a I, little bit.
1: I believe that you have made that clear. Have you not? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd just rather give somebody a hundred thousand for being good. <laughs> no, 25 I, for I get, it. I, I,
1: I, get it. I just want to point out that this is a, NIL is still a universal thing for Notre Dame in terms of coming to grips with it completely. And that includes the head football coach as well.
2: Next question. Dio Carroll one. I said that right. Right. It's either it could be doc Carroll one. I think it's doc Carroll one. Yeah. Is the gap between Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner smaller or larger than the gap last year between Buckner and Pine?
1: I found this Mm. to be a very interesting question because the answer is the gap's bigger between Sam
2: Hartman and Tyler Buckner. Yes. The bu- the gap between Buckner a year from now and like Pine in a year from now, I think would be a large gap. I think Buckner will continue to improve. Uh, I think Pine's ceiling, not ceiling. He could, he could have the exact same type of year for a good offense, but he's always going to have limitations. Buckner had not scratched the surface yet of his ability until the Gator Bowl. Is that fair to say?
0: Yes. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I I
1: said last, I think I said this last Monday that, you know, our impression of Tyler Buckner in the future is completely changed because of the Gator Bowl, even with the interceptions and two pick sixes.
0: So let's look at, okay, Tyler Buckner is quite a bit better now than he was at this time last year. And yet Sam Hartman is way beyond that. Um, so just look at that, look at it as a tandem. How much better is the quarterback position oh. for Notre Dame now than it was a year ago? It's just like it's it's barely the same. It it's just it doesn't feel like the same sort of set of circumstances at all.
1: Twenty times it's 20 times better.
0: It is
2: okay. I think you put a we, number on it, thank you. Yeah,
1: I put a number on it.
2: I think it is 20 times better. That's a great point. And not not like every national announcer or, or pundit knows the intricacy or the workings of Notre Dame's quarterback's room or defensive line room or whatever, but you imagine how often last year people were like, this is what Notre Dame has at quarterback. Whether they were watching the Ohio state game, the Marshall game, six of Drew or eight of Drew Pines, 10 starts, seven of Drew Pines, 10 starts. No one will ever say that next year with no. Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner. No one watching either. No, one, it, they'll
0: say the same thing, but it'll be like,
2: man, this is what Notre Dame has a quarterback. I just like
0: <laughs> the tone will be different 20 times better.
1: And that, and that's why, you know, I kind of fought back when, when I mean, just as an example, Brandon Hillman does, Brandon Hillman doesn't come to Notre Dame, um, and and there's a lot of Notre Dame is collapsing sentiment on Irish Illustrated. They have one of the five best quarterbacks in the country in 2023. Am I right? I mean, certainly the five most established. Well, quarterbacks certainly that. In the country,
0: yeah, he's one Up of there. Them. Yeah. Yeah, certainly so, they have a top they have a top 10 quarterback, which at no point did they have last year or the year before.
1: Yeah, a top five in terms of productivity coming yes. oh, in. Oh, yeah, for
2: sure uh, top it'd be hard 10, to be 10 more. 10. Well, he's, yeah. I think he's top 18 all time, so he's definitely well, one of the top yeah, <laughs> that yeah, to in, it.
1: One, in one single.
0: It's year. A, I mean, when you got I was laughing to myself in the previous question when you described Nano Safamensa as being one eleventh of the defense because last year Notre Dame tried to play offense. With the quarterback being described as 111th of the offense, which just like drove <laughs> me a, absolutely insane. That will never be said this year. No, never. That's a
1: little, the quarterback position's a little, you can't use the 111th equation for for no. that.
2: The 49ers did that for a while and eventually catches up to you. Next question Swarbuck for Prez. Which is going to be different than another question we have about <laughs> Swarbrick coming up later on. <laughs> does Does Sam Hartman at quarterback change how you look at the running backs as a whole and their individual roles this year? Will Notre Dame value pass protection skills in their RBs more as they fight for time to get receivers downfield?
1: I understand the sentiment of the question because obviously you're going to do more in the passing game with Sam Hartman. But I, I mean, I, I you know, I think I think Digs and Estime are
2: yeah. They're established. I mean, they're I think players. they're
1: established. You know, they're not going to make every pass block, uh but I think those two are pretty well established in that area. Chris Tyree, you know, obviously a little less bulk, I guess, may not be quite in their category. I
2: guess they all had their moments where I was like, "That wasn't awesome." I estimate was the best. We have to give Diggs some uh leeway because he had coming off a shoulder injury. He had about six games where he probably didn't exactly want to. Dive no. in early. Victory. Early in
0: the year, there were a couple where you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah,
2: and I think that was reaction to not trusting it yet, though. Yeah. I remember Dig stunk for three weeks as a running back too, and then all of a sudden he was really good. He, he had seven some, carries for seven some, yards against Marshall. He was, was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> may <I> had <laughs> like DMP against Cal, if
2: I'm not mistaken, yes. right? Like that was a that was right. a self imposed. I think that was practice. I,
1: that's why I say may had something to do with not playing in a game. Uh, yeah, in September, uh, his performance after that no I I, I I get the question and it's important um you know but I mean I think those guys are pretty good at and Notre Dame's offense is going to be there are moments in games where okay you realize your pass pass pro isn't holding up and so you have to do a little bit, little bit more with the
2: running backs I mean Kyron Williams week was obviously outstanding at times in pass protection so that's a heart that's a tough bar Artric Estime I think will be yeah, it's a good question, but I don't think that's a problem for Notre Dame's players. They're yeah. veteran player. Yeah, it's an
1: it's a understandable question, but yep. I don't, I don't think that it's going to. Boy, and did we commented on how Estime looks coming out of the winter. Man, uh, I, I mean, I saw him on campus, and it's so, he, so clearly has changed his body. Um, you know, since the end of the season, I think it's pretty impressive, and it was, you know. It was impressive to begin with, but he's he's more chiseled and probably a little bit. His body fat, I'm sure, is way down.
0: How I great. was just, I had like, I would be, I maybe it would, I would view the running guys differently if Buckner was the quarterback. I, and I say that in the sense of like Hartman has played so much football, like he's going to understand where pressures are coming before they show up. Mm-hmm. So he should be able to throw his way out of stuff. Um not that blitz pickup is not important with a veteran quarterback. No, it is, that, I mean, but... think
1: about setting setting uh, pass protections.
2: Yeah, he should do. Hartman he should be great should, at that.
1: Hartman should be absolutely great at that.
2: Uh, a quick segue, Tim, on Estime and Pete. Isn't it interesting? He is the. He's a unique player in that he was anointed before he did anything because of the way he looked and all of us were kind of like, well, let's see him play first. Let's pump the brakes a little. And then it turns out people were right. He's a very good player. We, we pumped the brakes and so we didn't need to, he ended okay. up being good
1: and getting better. I mean, and just getting started really yeah. a question from the Irish Rover. How many additional transfers do you think Notre Dame football will take after the spring?
2: What's my over under 1.5. Hmm. I think
0: no, we'll take one. I the- think we'll
2: take one. Yeah. Go is- under. Under, Under 1, 1. 1.5, but over 0. 0.5, Pete? Yeah,
0: I think there'll, there will be one. Somebody pops in that, like, and I please don't ask who it's going to be at what position. I have no idea. But, like, there's there's so much movement in the sport that,
2: right. Somebody uh, will come I'll online where you're like, mm, that, that would be good, could be a fit for Notre Dame. I'll go over since you just pointed out what I always say. There's so much movement, we have no idea. I'll say mm, over right.
1: 1.5. And a, and a reminder that we've thrown out many times that Nick McLeod came to Notre Dame in May of a couple of years ago. So that certainly
2: Chris Smith came in right after a spring injury which could immediately elicit a transfer. That's why we're going over 1.5. Ooh, good call. That's that's probably the smartest way to view it.
1: Yep. Yep, yep. Question from Murph17. Jack Swarbrick has been at Nordaim since 2008. What do you think his biggest accomplishment has been during his tenure and what about biggest biggest disappointment? So accomplishment,
2: I think Goes back to the 2012 range and then again 2020. When 2012 being part of the playoff and allowing to maintain independence for 14 years, which is going to probably get down to that, that contract hasn't run out yet, but it's going to be usurped by the new one. And I think probably being at the negotiating table and allowing Notre Dame to be part of the playoffs still, despite all the changing dynamics of college football as an independent. And the other, so those are related things, but I thought COVID's year that he got them in the ACC for one year to save a great football season for Notre Dame when he could have been completely locked out was also a great accomplishment. So there's, they're all kind of have to do with finding a place for Notre Dame in the Power Five landscape where they are not a Power Five program.
0: I would, uh, while well, I agree with what you're saying, I think that his biggest accomplishment is. Far and away is the Campus Crossroads project. Like, I don't, there's not, to me, not a close second on that one. That redid Notre Dame's campus, redid, like, the stadium, what the stadium meant. Um, I, that is, I mean, it's like the largest construction project in Notre Dame history, and, like, Jack Swarbrick's the reason that got done, so not the only reason, but the biggest. I mean, I, I remember talking to Jimmy Dunn about it, and he's like, he said the only thing he didn't like about the campus crossroad project is it wasn't his idea. It was Swarbrick's. So that's um, that is a legacy projects. Don't get bigger than that one.
1: Uh, I agree with that. I have that written down, of course, I and I concur with O'Malley that the navigation through the pandemic, I, Nordame was as prepared for that season as anybody in the country, which yes. under yes. the circumstances, I don't even know. I mean, you try to plan for that, but I'm not sure that with the pandemic that you know you can pull it off. They were they were a step ahead, and I give more credit to him um, as far as salvaging the ACC season than than most people do. But he was at the forefront of stressing to the ACC to be patient because the ACC was about ready to close it down. Um, like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And so they hung in there and it ended up being a great season for them. The 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 Big East crumbling and then finding a home in the ACC and finding a home for hockey in the Big, Big Ten eventually. Now, I know we look now at the ACC and say they're underachieving in football and they're underachieving in basketball. But at the time, in 2013-2014, that was an incredible accomplishment to get Notre Dame um, affiliated with the ACC you ask Jack Swarbrick and he'll say fighting Irish digital media it's now called fighting Irish media but Notre Dame was a million miles mm-hmm. behind in that in that aspect and he was insistent that Notre Dame develop a department that emphasized um, you know a much stronger media coverage of, of Notre Dame athletics to the point now where we take it for granted every time they're they're producing some video or some promotion of Notre Dame athletics. Uh, I I think his uh, emphasis on the uh, athletic performance behind the scenes, the enhancement of that, you know, mental health. uh, I think he's done some great things in that area. We take for granted the Irish athletics complex that the football team practices in. Uh, We focus on the Goog that hasn't been renovated. You know, and then and I have to and we'll get into the the negatives here. Um, the twelve team playoff that is going to come into play. Jack Swarbrick was the only athletic and the only school athletic administrator within that group that pulled that yeah,
2: that's that was what I was referencing with. He yeah. went from the two thousand and twelve. We had a conversation. He's like, well, this maintains independence for fourteen years. and and crazy right. stuff happened around year eleven and twelve. But it still maintained it. So He's, that, that's an impressive he was
1: literally the only athletic director on the ground floor of that proposal.
2: For, what about for disappointments?
0: Pete? Well, I mean, I don't think football is uh, they definitely have not won a national championship. And I think that the the pack you know is as much as I think Notre Dame has improved from with Brian Kelly um over the previous twelve years. I do think the summit of the sport is moving away from Notre Dame right now. Um, So that, you know, is that on the athletic director? Not really, but if you're going to get credit for when they win, like that, this is, there are some institutional things where Notre Dame has to like, say, all right, how, you know, how do we catch up to, we're trying to climb this mountain and you're telling me now the summit is actually a thousand feet higher than what we thought. Um, How do you (laughs) figure that out? Um, And like, look, there's, I don't want really to get into like, I don't know I, that I'll just leave that on the field. Um, That, that I think is the, a national championship in football while it feels closer than it did in 2010 or 20, 2008 when it was hired to me, it still feels like it's um, kind of in the distance.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, keeping pace with the rest of college football is extremely difficult now, more difficult than ever before. And, and, can one guy accomplish that, Jack Swarbrick? It's hard for him to do it on his own. You mm-hmm. said about the Goog. I mean, it's not Jack Swarbrick's not holding up the renovation of of the Goog. Uh, but he, ha- I, it's his job to keep prodding and pushing and finding a way for Nordame to be able to navigate through all this. And at, at this point, I totally agree with you, Pete, that the 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 halves at the very top are pulling away, not just from. Not just from Notre Dame from- That's
2: the thing. That's not there's there's not just from Notre Dame they're pulling away from though. Yeah. Now, but- so there's five there's five halves if you include Clemson, and I have to include Clemson because they won two national titles in the last seven years, even though I think Clemson and Notre Dame are much more on the same path than yeah. Ohio State, LSU, mm-hmm. Alabama, and Georgia. So there's four halves plus kudos, Clemson. You found a way to become one of the halves and win two national. So there's five. That's not even close to being fair. There's five halves, even though Clemson's coming down a little bit. I don't know who else is close to those teams, though. Yeah, it's just it. it you do
0: have to acknowledge if you're Notre Dame that like, hold up, the all time winningest coach here left because he thought or knew that he'd have a better chance to win somewhere else. Like that would prompt me to, to be like, uh, OK,
2: yeah, are we are we
0: we're all moving in the right direction here? Um, he did go hits, to an I... I guess that I would have get into little, like it's Habs not like he went to movie. Michigan
2: State or Michigan though he went to a team that no no just no won it
0: no that's that's what I'm saying it I'm not it's not just that he left it's that he left to her school that like he thought he had a better chance to win whether you believe that he does or not he thought that he did and like very Brian Kelly I think has a pretty clear eyed view of like what Notre Dame is and is not Um that that would give you a little bit of pause I think if you're Notre Dame to sort of view okay how where are we moving here? Are we, are we following this pack or not?
1: He Brian Kelly does have a better chance to win at LSU. He's one of the, one of the have programs in the sec and yeah. the, in the most mm-hmm. powerful conference in the country. So he does have a better chance. I, I mean, didn't Brian Kelly always know that when he was in Notre Dame, didn't he know that when he came to Notre Dame that
2: the LSU, I, I, you know what? I, I'm glad you brought that I up. Don't know. I, I want to talk about what Pete said when he said it feels like they have a better chance of winning a national title than they do in 2010, I don't know if that's true because I thought Notre Dame had a chance to win a national title 30 days before the Alabama game, even though Alabama was clearly a better team. And not since then have I thought Notre Dame had a chance to beat one of those teams.
0: Right. No, we, I'm in agreement with you. I don't know what I said, but like we, you and I feel the same way.
2: Well, the program's much better now than 2010 is what you're yeah. saying. But yeah,
0: the program is better, but it's just like the, the top of the sport has... Right. They also have gotten a lot better since then and they were winning titles back then, but now they're better than the teams that won those titles. So that again, you're, that's, it creates a conundrum if you're Notre Dame.
1: And the yep. disparity is more, it's more on the NCAA.
0: That's well, than, you know, really on their defensive lines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why Tim, I wanted to say, that's why Clemson is, is one of those five because they still continue to recruit very well along yeah. the defensive line. And when you can do that, that's a great, you know, that's a great foundation. I'm surprised they're not better on the offensive line
2: uh, on a more consistent basis. Huge tangent coming here. Uh, yeah. Disappointments are how the basketball program has been handled since the I elite date. Tot-
1: totally, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, uh, I
2: don't know when you make the firing. So I had to go, these years run together not so far, much. Not
1: five years, not five years ago. I, we keep hearing. of. No, no, no. Not Here's, I, after, I had
2: to look it up. Here's where you do it. Because okay. remember they had, a, they had a pretty, they had a pretty good everyday solid basketball year. Two years ago, they made the NCAA tournament. They won two games. They went 15 and five in the ACC. I don't care how bad the conference was. They went 15 and five, which is exactly what Virginia did this year. And Virginia was a top 15 team going into the tournament. All mm-hmm. right. They had very bad luck the Bonzi year where he got hurt and then Matt Farrell got hurt and they just, they were the 69th team. You cannot put that on Bray. There was no hot seat whatsoever. He had just come off elite eight, elite eight, second round. They went 14 and 19 playing all the freshmen. You knew they were going to stink. They stunk. They went 20 and 12 in the COVID year. They were getting better NIT bound trending up 10 and 10 Gonna make the NIT, maybe would have beaten Virginia. It's still my favorite basketball write-up. they never got to watch the game, and the next year they flat out stunk again. That is when you think to yourself: two losing seasons, one year would have been NIT at best. That's when a proactive AD can say, "It's time. You're not recruiting at the same level. You're not." Yeah,
1: no, I I agree, I agree with you that that he allowed. The men's basketball program to be held hostage. The, and of the,
2: course, the next year, Darnay was pretty good when he held on to Mike Bright. But, but that's yeah. the it, it's well, not a foresighted, oh, we have good players coming back. Let's try to go 24 yeah. and 12.
1: And then it's, look at the composition of the roster this year. So, oh I mean, that, yeah, yeah I, I I would agree with that. Uh, the circumstances dictated that a little bit because of. Sure. Oh, Mike Bray was viewed at Notre Dame but it it happened and now they're in a really bad spot and they really need a a, a coach that can pull them out of the, the, the and hole. it's
2: probably not firing is the wrong word I use at that point because you're a few years away from the elite eight and all that but it's like Mike we have to change gears here we have to change directions this is not working yeah what you're recruiting is not working it's got to completely change
1: well maybe maybe in a um An emphasis on the program to the extent that the football program went through after 2016. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. That's the best way of saying it. It's really the only
1: question from Irish HDL with the guard position, such a key this spring, why is Rocco Spindler not taking the next step to be a starter? Is it a strength issue? Quickness talent? Was it Harry? He stand. It is an, it is interesting. that Spindler's high school teammate, Ross Dellinger, who was lower rated, played significant minutes last year for LSU.
2: There's a lot of lower rated players that are juniors that play more than Spindler, but I, I get the, I get the comparison, but we have to quit. We we can no longer look at Rocco Spindler the way we looked at him on film coming in. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, that I just, people are still doing that. People are still looking, acting like he's,
1: he's not uh, that player. He's not the, he's not who we thought he was. Right.
2: And we all liked him. Let's throw that out there. We all like Rocco Spindler. This is not hindsight.
0: Yeah, there's just, there are better players on the Notre Dame roster than Rocco Spindler. Also, it's uh, Garrett Dellinger at LSU. Ross Dellinger writes for Sports Illustrated. Yes, oh, I was going to okay. say that, that Yeah,
1: That was me. Uh, Irish HBL just put Dellinger, and I thought I would.
0: Yeah, uh... yeah Ross r- Dellinger was getting Ross- minutes at LSU, Brian Kelly – Completely misevaluated LSU's <laughs> national title readiness. Um, they wrote, yeah, I also
1: wrote Cole Komet instead of Casey Komet doing a baseball recap this week. Yeah,
0: I finally did the uh, Nick O'Leary, Chris O'Leary screw up in a story uh, last week. So um, that was always a matter of time before I referenced the former Florida State tight end as Notre Dame safety's coach. But look, Rocco Spindler just isn't as good as the other guys on the team. Uh, I mean, if Billy Schrauss starts over Rocco Spindler, like, that's because Billy Shrouth is better. And Billy Shrouth was a top 100 prospect who Joe Rudolph really wanted at Wisconsin. So I'm thinking that probably Joe Rudolph is going to be partial to Billy Shrouth just in the sense that he, that's a guy that he had to have on his roster at Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, Rocco's, like, I, I get it. Rocco Spindler was a top 100 prospect who's like, what, the behind Blake Fisher in the class on 24 yeah. 7, and that's it. Well, I mean, just if Billy Shrouth is better, Billy Shrouth is better. Billy Schroth was a, Top 200 player who I think is an absolute animal. Um, I
2: do too. I I think Pete though, people are wondering why Pat Coogan and Michael Carmody might be better. That's fair. And Andrew Kristoffic clearly. I mean, it's like there are four and five star
0: high four star prospects that aren't good all the time. Yeah. That's all the time. It's uh, I mean, this is not a unique Notre Dame problem, but it happens at Notre Dame as well. So
2: that Rocco Spillner just might be one of those guys. And Rocco Spindler has a better chance. However, I, the Harry, it wasn't a Harry stand issue because Harry Hestan plays the best players that are really good. But Rocco Spindler did need a fresh start and he has that.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say this is not a Harry Heastan issue because you know what? Jeff Quinn was disappointed in Rocco Spindler too. Now he was younger and right. had more time to develop, but he was disappointed in what he saw in him too. I just, I don't, I just don't see the fire in this football player that is necessary to be an offensive guard at this level i don't know why that is i you know he he mark spindler his dad who i was just starting in a business when notre dame was recruiting his father um went on to play in the nfl i i just think that maybe they're wired differently because i don't We've talked about this before. Have you, Tim, have you, and we don't see a lot of snaps in practice, but has there ever been a snap in practice? Maybe that first spring where you where you? There said, were some, yeah. There were, there were some in that first spring.
2: That's a while ago, yeah. You're right, though. It didn't happen last year. Um, he was in good enough standing to be part of the, Pete's going to laugh at this when I say <laughs> that he was part of the, part of the special teams, the field goal unit, so it's not like he was buried. They did put him out there. I mean, you could have put any, you know, could have had Carmody didn't play. I mean, he was probably hurt. He was probably hurt, but he wasn't in terrible standing. He's just, I will be shocked if Rocco Spindler is the starting guard. I will not be shocked if anybody else is the starting guard.
1: I will, I will may a culpa my way from now through the end of his career. Mm -hmm. He's if he starts, but I don't think Joe, Joe Rudolph is going to look at this any differently than Jeff Quinn and Harry Easton saw it. And I, (laughs) Yeah, I wish, I wish it. I wish it wasn't that way. But we're just trying to be honest here in what we've seen and heard over the last couple of years.
2: Uh, next question is Spider Man Forty Five. If Notre Dame did a self study of what they did right and where they went wrong when recruiting top one hundred players the past few years, what is on both lists? It seems like most fans would say nil or acquisition fee for the latter. But is there more to it than that?
0: I, I don't mean to be flippant, but I would say they didn't sign enough of them.
1: That's pretty flippant on your part there. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: no, I'm serious. Like get, they, look at look how many top 100 players they really have signed. It's not many. I mean, we're talking like 2 3 a class. And Ohio State and Alabama or Georgia are like 8 9 10 11 12, like they 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 have not signed enough of them. Uh cuz I don't I don't think Notre Dame's hit rate is really all that different from those other schools. Um but when you have a hit rate on two guys versus a hit rate on 12 guys and the hit rate's 50%, well, Georgia has 600 top, top hundred players who really hit and Notre Dame would have one.
1: I think it's a really good question. I'm not sure we've ever used a question from Spider-Man 45 before. I think it's a really good question. And one that has to be asked of Marcus Freeman directly, because I, I, my initial reaction to it is, and I said this last Monday that in the media, I think we have a tendency to look at something and ask, why did a coach decide that as opposed to, oh, that's wrong. You know, that, that, that immediate jumping to that conclusion. My point being, I I'm not sure that Nordim is doing anything wrong specifically when they lose out on a top 100 player to the, and, and for the reason that, that Pete just gave that, Notre Dame only goes after a couple and it's not like they've had a string of five stars coming into Notre Dame. It's very, very difficult to land them, especially now when you throw in NIL and trying to navigate that. It's a tough, uh,
2: Pete, to your point, two top 100 for top 100 two top 101 top 100. Those are the last few years. Um, The 100 cutoff is pretty arbitrary because they do have, they had one top 100 player in in Jalen Sneed last year as a freshman. Um, They had four in the top 120, four more in the top 120. So, I mean, you know, we always say, where's the four-star cutoff? Is it at 100? Is it at 120? I don't, I don't know where it is, but Notre Dame had five top 120 players in the rising sophomore class. If they had five and six top 120 every year, as opposed to two, four and two, that is huge
1: which they have not, which they absolutely have not. Right. So it was a significant improvement in the recruiting in the grand scheme of the recruiting class. It was a significant improvement.
0: Yeah. they It's, it's a volume issue. They need to, they need to have more classes that looked like the one they just signed, but then they got to, they had to make sure there's either a Keeley or Peyton Bowen in there too. Um, you know, that's, I don't know what, I don't, I feel like Marcus Freeman. I wonder if he has, has enough sort of, um, I don't know, there's been a, he's had enough sort of experience recruiting to Notre Dame to sort of know, um, you know, what, what's working, what's not. Like, this is a peculiar place. It's, you're, you're selling something totally different than everywhere else. Um, So I, I wonder if like, he will look back and be like, okay, I, this is what we should have pulled this lever instead of that lever, or it's more of just like, hey, we just got to keep doing what we're doing, and then figure out how to close at the top with the Keeleys and the Bowens of the world.
2: How many more top 100 players would they have if NIL acquisition fees existed for Notre Dame with incoming freshmen? I don't think you can go back to 2022. How many schools were paying for incoming freshmen in 20, in Jalen Sneed's year, 2022, which is literally just last year at this time? That was the freshman class. Clearly in 2023 it was prominent. Was it happening in 2022? I mean, it's been happening since right nineteen twenty-two. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but I'm not, saying, do you think they lost that many happened. guys in 22 in that Jalen Sneed class to NIL? <laughs> they lost guys in 23 to NIL. I don't
0: yep. know. I mean, it was it was a weird year. Yeah, you know, the coaching change year. Yeah. Um that's kind of hard to evaluate that one. But I but I I think that is an interesting class to look at because Where are the, where's the real, where was the star power on signing day of that class? It was all on defense, but it was specifically at linebacker. Mm -hmm. Who was the linebackers coach, Marcus Freeman?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Marcus Freeman, it's the question everything era at at Notre Dame. So I think he absolutely picks apart the process that they went through where they where they came up short, Keon Keeley pre explosion of NIL probably does come to Notre Dame or they have a much better chance of holding on to him. Um, I'm sure he's looking, I'm sure they look at, you know, did we recruit the right top 100 guys? I think they'll probably come to the conclusion that they did,
2: yeah. You know, only the only that-
0: one da- the Dante Moore situation, though, I think Notre Dame would have to yeah, be I mean, like, okay, was right. this did we get the right eval? It like it essentially the summer before that recruitment started to to choose him over Vizina, to choose him over Jackson Arnold, I think in hindsight that's that would be something where I feel like a full year into it, Freeman and his staff will have learned a lot about like okay what are, what are the markers that a kid is going to thrive at Notre Dame is going to be receptive to our message? um that may be something where I feel like they've they've learned a little bit in the last or probably learned a lot in the last twenty four months.
1: All right, we're going to wrap up with a question from Mr. Irish Red. What is the best possible outcome of spring ball for the Irish on offense and defense?
2: Um, going out of a limb, I think if Lorenzo Styles is the best player in the spring, according to the coaches, would be a pretty big outcome for the offense. Or unless it's Billy Shroff <laughs> ahead of Joe Alston, then that would be the best possible outcome. No, if, if if they say, we we know our guards, I mean, that's... That'd be pretty good after the competition. Defensively, something along the lines of we just signed the next Benjamin. We have the next Benjamin Morrison, but he's a defensive lineman. Yeah, but he's a defense. Something along the lines where you look at it and say we we have another Benjamin Morrison type coming to to help our because Benjamin Morrison really helped Notre Dame win games last year, and that was not part of our conversation last spring or last August because no, he was in high school. Or last August, it wasn't part of our conversation, but he would no. win games for Notre Dame.
0: Uh, mine would be Tobias Merriweather is the a number one wide receiver, like the number one wide receiver. I think that would be massive. Um,
2: You've given up on your man, TJ Jones here, Pete, Lorenzo yeah, Styles.
0: Yeah, yeah just yeah, yeah. kind of moving on to the next new shiny toy. Um, defensively, um, I think, you know, getting back to, I think maybe it was the first question. The, the Riley Mills, Jordan Botello, um, both of those guys show enough where you're just like, all right, let's let's keep looking at the defensive line. Let's, you know, may, can we talk ourselves into the defensive line being as good as it was last year? Um, if Mills and Batello have great springs, I think that we can have that conversation, but uh, they got to have great springs first.
1: I don't. I don't think Tobias Merriweather will emerge as a as a legit number one. I don't expect him to, uh, but he needs to hit the ground running and be a a viable presence within the offense beginning this spring and heading into the the summer and preseason. I, I'm looking at more like just. I w- you want to feel comfortable about the the pass connections. Like it could be. I mean, it could be Caleb Smith. That's fine. Uh, It can be, I'm I'm not sure that it'll be uh, Deion Colsey, but if he takes the next step up, I just want to, you want to, you want to, you want to feel confident. Think about where we were when August camp started
2: and, you know, Nobody would listen to us if the quarterback couldn't throw well and the receivers were terrible. Yes. That was a thing.
1: We're talking about accuracy of quarterbacks and being shouted down by uh, people that want it to be true. Uh, I think Sam Hartman will be that, and so you need to develop those connections. And then, defensively, everything everything starts up front. And when you lose Foskey and and Adam Alola, you Adam Alola, the pass rusher, that is. Um, you know, you want you want to see the Javante Jean Baptiste as a pass rusher, legit. Jordan Batello, you know, there's no there can be no more growing pains for Jordan Botello. It ha it has to be right now. Um, uh, pass rush and being stout in the middle, and that could mean uh Keanu Aina developing it at nose to give him a little bit more depth there. I expect Gabe Rubio to, to Rubio to be a, a, a an even better football player than he was, et cetera, et cetera. But um, you know, and yeah, oh, the guards too. I think, you know, I think that.
2: I have faith the guards will work out by August. I, I, I
1: yeah. mean if if it's if it's and Shrouth, it'll be like, okay, you know you have you've got something that you're you can build on there and you're set at the other three positions.
0: It would take a very long time for me to get to offensive guard as something that
2: like, man, I really can't wait to see this during spring practice.
1: Well, we're not gonna yeah, we're not gonna Yeah, not
2: yeah gonna, I was kinda thinking gonna. when I said Morrison, I was kinda thinking if you know, if you can have People keep saying, is Clarence Lewis going to move to safety because they don't have enough safeties? That would be great. But Clarence Lewis was better than Mickey last year. So you need Jaden Mickey to be as good as Mickey was in the spring,
1: or you need
2: Christian Gray to be better than both of them.
1: (laughs) Those are two, Mickey and Gray are two real key guys this spring. I mean, if you, the the whole, the notion of another Ben Morrison, I mean, you don't want to, Sit around waiting for that because that doesn't happen. That's
2: but if you were to hear in August, we cannot keep Christian Gray off the field. He's starting opposite Ben Morrison. You would, would think, Oh, awesome. that's good. That's <laughs> that's a good thing.
1: That would be awesome. Well, we're going to return. Uh, we are going to go into a phase here now through the end of spring practice where we have two podcasts per week. We're going to have the opportunity to witness part of Wednesday's practice when spring drills open. We'll have a podcast on Thursday, March 23rd. We'll be taking questions once again from our subscribers and our friends on on Twitter. And until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.